This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and I certainly appreciate those of you who've tuned in to watch today, especially those who are watching for the first time. Every time we come on the air, we have someone new finding the program. And the reason I know that, I have people telling me that. So we're, we appreciate you watching today. Stay tuned today as we're going to discuss this Bible topic. What does it mean to call on the name of the Lord? Calling on the name of the Lord. What does that really mean? What does the Bible teach? So stay tuned as we discuss it today. Now on getting to know your Bible, we are offering and have been offering and continue to offer a free Bible course. I emphasize the word free. Cost you nothing except the time to receive it and to study it. That's all. And so we want you to know more about it and how, how that you can receive it. So let's take a brief pause. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. There are two passages of Scripture that I want to read as a text of our study today. The first one comes from the second chapter of Acts, verse 21. And in Acts chapter 2 and 21, the day is Pentecost, Peter's the spokesman, he says, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And now read Romans, the 10th chapter, and verse number 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Both of those passages are teaching the same thing, aren't they? Acts 2.21 says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10.13 says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now the passage in Acts chapter 2 and verse 21 is a quotation from the Old Testament. It is a quotation from the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 32. And in Joel 2, 32, the prophecy was, it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. When Peter quotes it on the day of Pentecost, in Acts 2, 21, he says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I conclude from that, that to be delivered and to be saved are one and the same. Delivered from our sins, that is, saved from our sins. So here's what we're talking about. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now conversely, those who do not call on the name of the Lord 
will not be saved. Now the question is, what does that really mean? What does it really mean in light of the Bible to call on the name of the Lord? Now if we were to ask people to give us uh, their view of what that means, we would have a, a variety of answers. Uh, someone would say, well, all you have to do is just receive Jesus. Well, what do you mean receive Jesus? Well, just ask Him to come in your heart. Well, how do you ask Jesus to come into your heart? You say, well, just call on Him. Just call on the name of the Lord. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my heart right now. Someone will say, well, now, really, what, what I've been taught that you have to do is that you come down to the front of the uh, service where you are and, and then the preacher will lead you in the recitation of the sinner's prayer. And if you say the sinner's prayer and you ask the Lord to come in your heart, then you've called on the name of the Lord. And of course some would go so far as to say if you just put your hand on the television screen and you put your hand on my hand and they hold their hand up so it'd be seen on the screen, and you just call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Now those are some of the ideas that people have, but really, I'm not interested in what men say. I, I don't know about you. I, I'm, I'm interested in what the Holy Spirit inspired men to write in the Bible. Because I know that's right. I, I know that's correct. And, and I want to do what's right. If God knows my heart, I don't want to teach anyone anything that I can't read in this book. I want to teach them what the Bible says. So what does it mean to call on the name of the Lord? Does it just mean to say, Lord, Lord, hear me, Lord? Does it mean to God be merciful to me, a sinner? Is that calling on the name of the Lord? Or is it the recitation of a prayer that's referred to now as the sinner's prayer? What does it mean? Well, I would answer it like this. It means the same thing today to call on the name of the Lord as it did in the first century when Peter said, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whatever it meant in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost is what it means today. I can tell you it does not mean touching the television screen because they did not have them then. It does not mean repeating a sinner's prayer unless I can find that in the Bible in response to the question, what must I do to be saved? Lord, what do you want me to do? So I'm interested in knowing what does the Bible teach. The Bible promises salvation to all of those who call on the name of the Lord. I might also say that lip service without obedience will not save you. Jesus said, why do you say me, Lord, Lord, do not the things that I say. He also said in another place, this is in the 7th chapter of Matthew, verse 21, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. So lip service without obeying the Lord is not sufficient. So what we want to do is to examine the Scriptures. Would you agree with me 
that whatever the Scriptures teach, the Bible to say, whatever the Bible says about calling on the name of the Lord, and the way in which men called on the name of the Lord in the first century, that that would be right. And inasmuch as we're not to add to nor take away from the book, Revelation 22, 18 and 19, then any part of the Word of God is not to be uh, subtracted from or uh, added to. And in, in light of that, I want to take the Bible as it is and for what it says, and I want to ask the question, what did it mean in the first century to call on the name of the Lord? So let's go back almost 2,000 years. Let's go back to the second chapter of Acts where Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost. People are gathered in the city of Jerusalem from all over the then known world. And as Peter's preaching to them on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, this is a statement that he makes in verse 21. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So what did Peter tell them to do to call on the name of the Lord? What did he tell them to do to call on the name of the Lord? Now let's turn to the second chapter of Acts and we pick up the reading in verse 22. Verse 21 says, It shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Keep that expression, shall be saved in your mind. Now verse 22, Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst as you yourselves also know. Now what's Peter saying in verse 22? that Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested by God or approved by God. And the way that God gave His approval of Jesus was by the miracles, the wonders, and the signs which He performed. And notice where He did those. In your midst. These people were well aware of Jesus of Nazareth. You see, they're the people who called out for his death and said, crucify him. They knew about Jesus. And he said, Jesus is the one who performed these miracles and wonders and signs that had been given to him by his Father. And it was in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Which is another way of saying, you know, I'm telling you the truth. There was no denying the fact about Jesus being the Son of God and that Jesus performed miracles by the power of God Almighty. In John 3 and 2, Nicodemus said, We know your teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles or the signs that you do except God be with him. And so Jesus Christ was attested by God, approved of God. Now verse 23, Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, and put to death. Now I want you to think what Peter says to these people in verse 23. God's purpose and plan was being fulfilled when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He, the death of Jesus Christ was in the eternal purpose of God. Ephesians 3 verses 10 and 11. 
In Revelation 13, 8, Jesus is called the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. See, this was in God's plan that Jesus die on the cross. But He didn't die on the cross, and that was the end of it. Verse 24, whom God raised up. God raised Jesus up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that He should be held by it. And so Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. That's what Peter said to these people. Now remember, remember Peter said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But now he's talking to them about Jesus, the Savior of the world. And notice in verse number 25, for David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. More of all, so my flesh will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades. That's the unseen world. Neither will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You've made known to me the ways of life. You'll make me full of joy in your presence. And so he's quoting a prophecy from David. And this prophecy is found in the 16th Psalm. And it is a prophecy about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice verse 29. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that is to David, that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. Why, he predicted Jesus' resurrection. And notice verse number 31. He foreseeing this, that is predicting this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus, God, has raised up where we are all witnesses. And there were witnesses to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter is preaching a resurrected Christ to these people. And, and these are the people to whom he said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 36. Therefore, in light of all of this, in light of Jesus' life, in light of his crucifixion, in light of his resurrection, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. How do you suppose those people felt when they learned they had crucified the long-awaited Messiah? Well, notice verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now remember Peter said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. They said, What shall we do? Shall do what shall we do for what? What shall we do to be saved? Then Peter said to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you and to your children, to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. The day is Pentecost. Peter's preaching. 
The people ask, what shall we do? What shall we do? And his answer is, you need to repent of your sins, every one of you. Every one of you needs to be baptized for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's make some observations. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. To be saved and for one to have his or her sins forgiven, remitted in the blood of Jesus Christ is one and the same. To call on the name of the Lord is to be saved. To repent and to be baptized for the remission of your sins is for salvation. Many, many people's ideas about it, notwithstanding, shall be saved is equal to for remission of sins. I want you to make a comparison with some passages here. Let's go back first of all to Joel 2 and 32. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Peter quotes Joel's prophecy in, in Acts 2.21. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall be saved is the same as being delivered. That is, we are delivered from our sins. Now the second passage I want us to note is in John 10 and verse 9, where Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved shall be saved. Remember that expression, shall be saved. Remember, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now the next passage is Romans 10 and verse 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now there's one thing that all of these passages have in common. They all result in the same action, shall be saved. To call on the name of the Lord to enter in through that door, which is Christ, and to call on the name of the Lord, all results in a person being saved. But how do we really call on the name of the Lord? Well, turn to Mark 16 and 16, where Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized, notice it now, shall be saved. But Paul said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus said, by me, by me if any man enter in, I am the door, by me if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Joel said, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. So how do we call on the name of the Lord? I submit to you that we call on the name of the Lord in keeping with these verses that I have just read to you, when we come to believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that we repent of our sins, and we're baptized for the remission of those sins that we call on the name of the Lord. You see, things that are equal to the same thing are equal to each other. Mark 16 and 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. 
Acts 2.21 says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Both passages result in the same action, the same benefit, the same blessing. To call on the name of the Lord is to be saved. To believe and to be baptized is to be saved. Therefore, I conclude you call on the name of the Lord when you hear the gospel, believe the gospel, and you obey the gospel by being baptized for the remission of your sins. Now, I want us to think about another man. His name is Saul of Tarsus. The first time you read about Saul is in the seventh chapter of Acts. And Stephen was being stoned to death. And Saul was holding the garments of the people who were stoning Saul. So it's part and parcel of what was going on. Then we come to the 8th chapter of Acts, and, and, and Saul of Tarsus was going into people's homes that were Christians, and he was binding them and putting them into prison. Think about that. He is a persecutor of Christians. Now we come to the ninth chapter of Acts, and... He's on his way to Damascus. He has authority from the high priest to put people that are of the way. Christians are sometimes were just called the way. Those that were of the way put them into jail. And as he's on his way, there was a bright light that shone round about him. And he heard a voice from heaven saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, and he, he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. Let's stop long enough to realize a point here. Saul of Tarsus was persecuting Christians. But Jesus said, You're persecuting me. You see, when you persecute the body of Christ, you persecute Jesus. When you mistreat Christians, you mistreat Jesus. Let's keep that in mind. But, but he said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom you persecute. And here's a question Saul asked in Acts 9 and verse 6. Lord, what will you have me to do? What will you have me to do? He realized he was dealing with the Son of God. He said, Lord, what will you have me to do? He told him to go into the city and to go to a street called Straight, find a man by the name of Ananias, and Ananias will tell you what to do. And so he was for three days and three nights, he was without sight. And then Ananias came to him and he, and he said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And he preached the gospel to him. And Saul of Tarsus believed the gospel. And, so, and Ananias told him, as it is recorded in Acts twenty-two sixteen, he's talking to Saul. Why tarriest thou? Another way of saying, what in the world are you waiting on? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Notice this. The washing away of sin comes after one has been baptized or in the action of being baptized. Because it's in baptism we come in contact with Jesus' blood. We're baptized into the benefits of His death. Look at Romans 6 verse 3 and verse 4. And we're baptized into Christ. He said, be baptized and wash away your sins. Doing what? Calling on the name of the Lord. Saul of Tarsus called on the name of the Lord when he believed in Christ. He repented of his sins as a confessing believer in Jesus. He was baptized that his sins might be washed away. Somebody says, I'm just not sure I believe all that, Brother Lambert. Well, let me tell you another example. And that's the people of Corinth. And I want you to read in your Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 
And verse number 2. Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that in every place, call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. What did the Corinthians do? Like other people, he said, they called upon the name of the Lord. Now remember Acts 2.21, Romans 10.13, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Question, how were the people of Corinth saved? Or, to put it another way, how did they call on the name of the Lord? How did they do it? Well, to answer that, we go to the Corinthian letter, the first Corinthian letter, the 15th chapter, and we look at, start reading in verse number one. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which also you have received, wherein you stand, and by which you're saved. If, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that He was buried, that He arose again the third day according to the Scripture. They were saved by the gospel. Somebody says, well, that just talks about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Exactly, the good news about Jesus. Well, what did they do to obey that gospel? Well, you go back to the book of Acts chapter 18, where the people of Corinth first came in contact with the gospel. And what they, the response they had to the gospel, how they called on the name of the Lord. Many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. They called on the name of the Lord by hearing the gospel, believing the gospel, by being baptized into Jesus. Jesus said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Would you call on the name of the Lord? Just like the Bible teaches. Would you do that? I, I want to thank you for watching today. May, may I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And also right now, call for the Bible course, or if you prefer, you can take the Bible course online. We are interested in teaching nothing but the truth of God. I hope that you'll think on these things that we discussed today about calling on the name of the Lord. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.org. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.